0: Uh, We're jumping in again with our recent sermon series, A Psalm for Your Calm, and calm is definitely what we all need right now and what I think we're all looking for and searching for and hungry for. Certainly the world is around us, and uh, I think that from time to time we are looking for that as well. And uh, not only is is our ultimate calm found in God, uh, but it's found in His Word. And Psalm 23 is one of the greatest psalms to provide a sense of calm for us, a sense of security, a sense of encouragement and hope and joy and purpose in the midst of all kinds of chaos and disorder and anxiety. It's a very soothing, calming psalm, as many of them are, but Psalm 23 is definitely one of the best and as we started this last week, we said that Psalm 23 is one of those passages throughout God's Word that happens from time to time that are so familiar, so recited, and so referred to even in, in secular culture and secular literature uh, that it tends to be kind of reduced to like the I, now I lay me down to sleep kind of prayer and kind of thought. And even as, as Christians, we can go to this psalm and kind of breeze past it and, and stay at the surface level uh, because it's just so familiar. Um, but as I said last week and as we did, there are so many riches and treasures beneath the surface that need to be mined, need to be drawn out. And that's what we did last week, and we're going to continue to do that uh, today and this week. We ended last week uh, with verse 2. Which, which says the Lord who is the personal shepherd leads us, makes us lie down in green pastures and leads us beside still waters. He provides what we need. He provides us a sense of stability, a sense of security, a fulfillment that no one else can provide. We said that this shepherd is none other than the Almighty God, the creator and sustainer of everything. He is the Yahweh uh, of the Old Testament, but he's also a personal shepherd. David said, the Lord, this mighty God, is my shepherd. He knows my name. We have a personal relationship, and that's seen and manifested especially in the person of the Lord Jesus, who is The good shepherd, the great shepherd, the ultimate shepherd. And he's the one that just like a shepherd with a sheep and like David certainly was familiar with being a a shepherd uh, throughout most of his life before he became king. Jesus with us does what any good shepherd does. He leads them from place to place. He leads them from places of provision to, to another place of provision but he leads us on a journey in between so that we will trust him, so that that trust will be developed, so that we'll learn we really can trust the shepherd. He doesn't just plant us in one spot until all the the provision and everything is gone like a a sheep would do. They'd eat up all the little tufts of grass along the way. The shepherd kept them moving. He kept them going from place to place. And as they did that, the, the sheep would develop a sense of trust, in the shepherd, and that's what Jesus does with us. And then he finally leads us to that place where there's plenty of, of green pasture, plenty of still waters. And we said last week that the grass is always greenest wherever God leads us. And that's important to remember because we're always looking for that greener grass somewhere else and in some other source. We also said that Jesus is the one that's able to make still still waters out of the strongest of storms, and we've certainly been seeing strong storms around our lives and around our culture, around our daily life through all that's happened over the last couple months. We mentioned just at the beginning of, of the service with praying for those that are definitely going through rough seas right now in our body. And maybe that's you. Maybe you're enduring some sort of storm or rough sea. Remember, the Good Shepherd who leads you beside still waters can make still waters out of any storm. And you can trust Him for that. As we jump into the next couple verses of Psalm 23, Psalm 23, verses 3 and 4 is where we'll be. Psalm 23, three, the first part David writes this, still talking about this personal and great shepherd manifested ultimately in the person of the Lord Jesus. He says this, he, the good shepherd, restores my soul. He restores my soul. Now, when we hear that word restores, we tend to think of like replenish, fills me up again, right? We we tend to think of, I'm empty and now, now I'm full. I've been restored. But really, the word restore here, um, it really means to set right. It means to bring back into a right standing. And it really carries along with it the same idea as what repentance is. To bring back, to set in order, to set upright again. Instead of it being like, oh, I'm tired and now I've slept and so I'm restored with energy or "Or I'm, I'm thirsty and so I need something to quench my thirst. It's not that idea at all. Uh, it's more of the idea of something is out of place, something is off balance, and it needs to be set right again. And David says that's what he does to my soul. It goes far beneath the surface of just my mind, or how I think about things. It goes beyond the physical. It goes down to the very core of my being. So this shepherd, this almighty shepherd, goes down to the very deepest part of me and sets right what isn't right. And remember, this is David from the perspective of a shepherd who spent many, many days through many, many years working with Sheep, And that's his whole perspective. You've got to keep that in mind. He's thinking as a shepherd, dealing with sheep, and he's putting himself in the perspective of a sheep that's being dealt with by the ultimate shepherd. And so what he's referring to here, um, it's something, there's a, a very humorous picture I'm going to put on the screen. It really looks pretty funny, um, but it's anything but funny to the sheep that this happens to the uh, the sheep, he, he's not taking a nap, by the way, that sheep. Um, sheep apparently aren't very good at keeping their balance. Who would have known that unless you were really around sheep a lot? I didn't know that. Um, but yeah, I, I've discovered that sheep aren't very good at keeping their balance. It doesn't take much at all for them to just fall over. And when they fall over, they typically fall right on their back and they can't get themselves up. Um, which to me, you know, kind of begs the question, what in the world is the purpose of having sheep? But, but I mean, that just shows you how, how far removed I am from being any type of shepherd. Um, when they fall down, they fall on their back, they, they can't bring themselves up again. They have to have help. And if they don't have help from a very watchful shepherd, then, I mean, they, they can die. Um, there's gases that build up in their body that can kill them. They can actually suffocate while laying there. Uh, certainly a predator can come and get them. I mean, they're easy prey at this point. And uh, a lot of times this happens because a, a single sheep has wandered away from the flock, and unless the shepherd is mindful of all the sheep that he has in front of him, and unless he's constantly counting them and surveying his flock... He'll miss the fact that a sheep has gone off, and if this is what happened to them, then that sheep is in big trouble. And so a good shepherd is always watching over every individual sheep. He sees his collective flock, but he also sees every individual sheep. And he knows if one has gone off from the others, and he knows how prone sheep are to this position, it's actually called being cast. When a sheep does this when they when they fall over and they can't get back up, that's a cast sheep. It's a cast sheep. And David also knows all about that and and writes about that in a in another psalm that he penned, which is Psalm 43:5, he says this, "Why are you cast down?" cast down he's referring to a cast sheep he's referring to a sheep that's fallen over he's he's upside down he can't get up on on his own he says why are you cast down oh my soul and why are you in turmoil within me hope in god for I shall again praise Him, my salvation and my God. In this psalm, David is saying, "I'm just like a cast sheep. I've I've fallen over and I I've lost my balance. I'm helpless. I can't get up, and I'm just open to pray. I'm open to a predator, and I can't do anything to help myself. But but I have confidence in my faithful, good shepherd to come alongside me and right me to bring me back up. You guys." Uh, those of you who grew up in uh, any, any time around the 90s, um, tell me, show of hand, if you remember Steve Urkel on Family Matters. Who remembers Steve Urkel? Okay, good. The rest of you, there's a thing called Hulu. Go check it out. It's worth it. My, my kids, uh, we've introduced all those 90s sitcoms to them, you know, the TGIF lineup. They, they think it's great, so they've actually, you know, they, they went to school and started talking when we had school, you know. They went to school and they were talking about certain shows, and some of their friends were like, what are you talking about? Because it was new to them, you know, and, and it was just great. Well, Steve Urkel, um, one of his many lines that he was known for, he would say, I've fallen and I can't get up. And he would say that over and over again. And it was kind of a kind of a, a, a copy of the medical life alert commercials from the 80s. That's another thing you uh, really young ones missed. Great commercial. Great commercial. You can YouTube it, okay? Check uh, life alert. I've fallen. I can't get up. It'll give you a chuckle this afternoon. But um, that's kind of what's conveyed here. Uh, if the sheep image doesn't work for you, maybe think of that. Um, it's you. I've, I've fallen down. I can't do anything to help myself i need someone else to come and help me out of this situation and like a cast sheep we often can find ourselves in that same set of circumstances where even though we know the shepherd personally we have a relationship with him even though he knows us i mean we're secure in the shepherd but life comes at us. Circumstances come at us. Situations that are hard, that are heavy. And let's just be honest, it doesn't take that much to knock us over, right? I mean, even the strongest sheep can still be turned over on their side and find themselves helpless in despair, find themselves in in utter need of someone greater than them to come and right them. Many times, Christian, wouldn't you agree That though your soul is secure in the Savior, your soul can still get turned upside down. It certainly can feel that way. Your soul can feel cast. Your soul can feel weighed down and oppressed by any number of things. And it really doesn't take that much. It just takes the right set of wrong and bad circumstances to pile up and mount up and for us to feel like a sheep that's on his back. For us to identify with David in Psalm 43, verse 5, where he says, my soul is cast down. I'm sure you've been there. I'm sure you will be there if you haven't. I mean, if you can't really identify with that up to this point in your life, there will be a time where you can, I guarantee it. Because while we are secure in our Savior, we're also still existing in this world, in this life, which is full of difficulty, full of adversity, full of a million different sources of anxiety that wage war constantly on our mind, on our heart, on our soul. There's just so many things that come at us. And we're very prone to, like a sheep that can't really hold their balance that well, we're prone, too, to find ourselves flat on our back. And a lot of times, as I said a minute ago, it happens because the sheep wanders away from the rest of the flock, or he wanders away from the, the the source of provision and care that the shepherd has given them, and and for some reason the sheep gets it in his head that there's something better over there, so he wanders away to check it out. I mean, it's like the dog on up, you know, they're going along and all of a sudden, squirrel! I mean... And we're like that too. It, it's with good reason that the Bible uh, very frequently refers to us as sheep, because we're a lot like them. We re- many, many ways. And even though the shepherd has led the the sheep to where there's green, lush pastures, and he's hemmed them in, he he's had them stop on their journeying, and he's had them rest in a place where there's plenty of good grass for them to feed on, and and rest, and and just get what they need, and he leads them beside the still, clean waters. Sheep get it in their heads that that's not good enough, and they they need to find something else somewhere, somewhere else, and so they wander off and they get into trouble, and we do the same thing. Even though our good shepherd gives us everything we need, even though he is, like we sang about, the only source of solid rock, even though every other ground is sinking sand, like really stupid sheep we convince ourselves there's greener pastures somewhere else. There's better water somewhere else. There's something else I need. Oh, I want that. And that's not what the shepherd has given me. So I'm going to go after that. And then we find ourselves before long tripped up off balance on our back, helpless in anguish and in agony and totally easy picking for our great predator. Remember, Peter warns us that we have a very real enemy who prowls around like a ravenous hungry lion seeking whom he may devour. And he can't devour your salvation, but he certainly can devour your hope or your sense of hope. He can devour your joy. He can devour your peace. And he's looking for the right opportunity, your moment of weakness your moment of defenselessness to pounce, to grab you, to try to devour that joy and that hope and that peace that only comes from walking in in step with the Spirit of God. So we've got to be aware of that. We've got to be on guard against those things. And sure enough, when we find ourselves in this situation like a cast sheep, just like any good shepherd will do, we'll experience the fact that our good shepherd will come to our rescue, he'll come to our aid, he'll pick us up again, he'll set us right, he will restore us, as this verse tells us, that da- what David experienced, what he knew to be true, that, that though I am cast, and usually it's by my own foolishness, the shepherd will come and he, he will set me right, he'll pick me back up again, he'll, he'll flip my soul back up where it needs to be and how it needs to be, because he's faithful to do that. And not only does he do that, but he also, we're told in the second part of verse 3, that he leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. So once the shepherd comes along and he finds a cast sheep, he'll lovingly, graciously pick it up. He'll ride it where it needs to be. He'll stay with it. He'll make sure it's it's strong to walk. He'll carry it if, if need be back to the flock. And then he leads the sheep on again where he needs to be going. He leads him along the paths of righteousness. And this isn't just for the sheep's sake. And for us as believers, the Lord Jesus doesn't just do this for our sake alone. Look at what the rest of that verse says. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. That's important to remember. We need to be righteous... And we need righteousness in our lives. But whatever measure of righteousness and holiness is found in us, Christian, it's all ultimately for the glory of God. All the righteousness that you and I have. A righteousness not our own, remember that. A righteousness we're given by faith. A righteousness that is ours because the one who was righteousness was made sin for us so that we could be the righteousness of God. Remember that? Jesus, who knew no sin, became sin for us so that we could become the righteousness of God. So any righteousness that you and I possess is not from ourselves. It's from our Savior. And it's ultimately for the glory and the honor of His name. All of our glory, all of our goodness should point to God and give Him glory. It should point to the Savior and exalt Him. So He leads us in paths of righteousness, which we can't lead ourselves to and we can't keep ourselves on. He does that for us, and so thank Him for that gracious act, but let's keep in mind it's all for His glory, and so we need to be all about His glory. That's what we need to be pursuing as He leads us on those paths of righteousness, and we're following Him, we're pursuing Him. We need to be pursuing His fame, His renown, His glory, His honor in all that we do. And because, I mean, this all fits together, it's like, it's like layer of, of train track, one after another, that just leads in the same direction, because, as we talked about last week, he makes us lie down in green pastures and and find what we need because He leads us along still waters, because He is mindful of us, aware of us individually, personally, and knows if we've wandered off, if we've been distracted, if we've fallen down, if we're cast and on our back, because He knows that, because He restores our very soul, and because He leads us in paths of righteousness, we can all agree with what David knew to be true, what he experienced at the start of verse 4, which says this, even though I walk, and walk is a continuous action. Walk means it's it's just consistently happening. It's a progression. It's perpetual motion, right? Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. David, writing this, had his share of near-death experiences. I mean, that's pretty much how David lived his whole life. I mean, he faced off with bears and lions, we know, as a young shepherd. Pretty scary situation. Not something I'd recommend ever trying to do. Um, He fought Goliath with nothing but a sling and stones, rejecting weapons that normal people would take. He ran multiple times through many years of his life from Saul, who was the most powerful ruler of the land, who had all kinds of things at his disposal, who was fueled with a hatred for David, who had all kinds of soldiers at his command. He once—I mean, he—he he also fought all sorts of Philistines and other enemies. He ran from his own son Absalom and, and endured a civil war. I mean, David definitely spent his life through a valley surrounded by death. I mean, that's what life was to him. It, it was like the shadow or the threat of death constantly surrounded David. His whole experience was like walking through a valley where either side all around you was the the shadow of death or a sense of impending doom. So David knew what it was to walk constantly and consistently through a very dark valley. And yet, David says, though that may be my experience, though that may be the kind of life I live where I feel like I'm constantly surrounded with Death, I know that it's not death itself that surrounds me, rather it's just the shadow of it. You, you catch that part? Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. He didn't say I walk through death all the time, he said I walk through the valley of the shadow of it. The shadow of death falls on this valley called life that I'm walking through. And even though the shadow is menacing, think about when you are when you were younger, or think about you who have young kids still, and shadows can be pretty scary, right? Because shadows always loom larger than the thing itself. the The source of the shadow is often, most of the time, I mean, it, it's it's smaller in perspective than the shadow it casts. It casts long, reaching, menacing-looking shadows, and the shadows can be terrifying. They can be scary. They can be fearful, uh, you know, to us, and they can induce fear and anxiety. But what every little child hears from a good parent is, don't worry, it's just a shadow. There's nothing really there. There's nothing that can get you. And when I was, when I was younger, um, I always, I mean, for a long time, I, I struggled with um, just not being terrified. I'm not just talking about I didn't want to go to sleep and, and oh, I, I was a little restless. I mean, for a long time... Uh, to the point where my parents were worried At for a while. I was absolutely just mortified, terrified to go to sleep at night. Um, and, and because everything just kind of gave me this crippling fear, it was awful. And one of the things that grabbed me a lot of the time was seeing shadows. I just, something about the shadow at night, it just it just got me, you know. It just chilled my, my very bones. And um, my dad's office at home was right next to my bedroom. And so I would go to bed, and the door would be cracked, and his light would still be on, and he'd be moving around in there. He'd be working probably on a model, you know, building a model of some type, because that, that's what my dad did and still does. You should see the models he has. It's gotten worse, people. It's gotten worse. Sorry, Dad. I know you're going to see this video, but sorry, it's its the truth. <laughs> um, and so he would probably be sitting in there working on a model or something, so he'd be moving around, and I'd just see all these shadows, and I'd get just absolutely freaked out, and my dad would come in and he would graciously, lovingly explain to me, the only reason you see a shadow is because I am next to you with the light on. And so he would really be explaining that there's not only nothing to fear, but it's actually the light, a good thing, that's casting the shadow that you see that's causing you to be afraid. And the same is what David knew to be true. That the reason he doesn't have to fear shadow is because his personal shepherd, who is, remember, Yahweh, the Almighty God, is with him. And the reason that something as as fearful and strong and powerful, even as death, I mean, that's what people... Feared probably the most, wouldn't you say? People in life, most people fear the loss of life greater than anything else. So as fearful as something like death may be, and as as possible as it is for us to walk through a valley that isn't just surrounded with a shadow of death, but even death itself, listen, the Christian, the Christian can see death as a shadow, because Christ faced and conquered it for us. So even something as fearful and ferocious as death, we can all, all of us who are in Christ, this is just such great news, we can all look at death and see it as only a shadow, something lacking substance. Something that's not really there in full force. Something that's just a, a picture of something else. Something that's, that's lacking teeth. We can see death as a shadow because Christ faced it and conquered it for us. And that is something that fills us, and sh- should fill us anyway, with this deep, abiding joy and confidence and hope and peace we can say with the apostle paul in first corinthians fifteen fifty-five through 57 oh death where is your victory oh death where is your sting the sting of death is sin and the power of sin is the law but thanks be to god who gives us the victory through our lord jesus christ Friends, what that means for us is that just like light casts shadows, you know, in, in the world, we, we see a shadow because somewhere there's a source of light that's shining on an object that's casting a shadow, right? We understand that. And the same holds true for something as as scary as death for the Christian. The light of christ's life overpowers death reducing it to just a shadow the light of christ's life our resurrected reigning savior and lord the light of all that he is it overpowers death and it reduces it to just a a powerless shadow lacking substance because jesus took the full substance of it in our place for us And he delivers us out of it. It's a glorious truth. It's a beautiful truth that we need to remember. But it's not just the fact that death has been defeated and rendered powerless. That's not the only reason that We, like David, can say, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, and and as menacing as that might be, and as tempted as my heart is to fear, and as even though anxiety might creep up within me, I I can say I will not fear. It's not just because of what's happened to the source of that shadow, it's also because of what he says, the last part of verse 4 there, for you are with me. For you are with me. That's the reason why we can, we can say, no, I will not fear. No matter what comes at me, I will not fear. It's because of the fact that, that we can, we can walk through the valley. We can walk through whatever valley comes our way. We can walk through whatever valley of uncertainty. We can walk through whatever valley of anxiety and fear and, and darkness because the one who went ahead of us also walks with us. That's why we can walk through any valley. This valley of the shadow of death, it can also be translated valley of darkness. And so David can say, even though I walk through a valley of of intense and heavy darkness, I will fear no evil. I will fear no darkness. Why? Because you are with me. Because the good shepherd not only goes ahead of us, as every good shepherd does as he leads his sheep, he's the one at the front. He's leading them on. He knows what's in front of them. He knows every, every turn of the road. He knows what lies in wait for them. He's seen it, he's gone ahead of them. And not only that, but he then comes beside the sheep and walks them through all the paths he's leading them on. And, Christian, we can walk through the valley with confidence and with joy, whatever valley you might be walking through right now or whatever valley is ahead of you, you can walk through it fearless because the one who went ahead of you also walks with you. That's very important to understand. And, and that's, that's the reality that is there for, for all of us. We can walk through the valley because the one who went ahead of us also walks with us, And that's, that's your reality, Christian. That's your reality. If you're in Christ today, this is what you can absolutely claim and keep coming back to. This is your truth. Don't look to society to give you this kind of hope and confidence. Don't look to people in your life, family members, to give you this type of hope and confidence. Don't look to me to give you this type of hope and confidence. Don't look to government and and officials and powers that be. They can't give you that kind of promise and that kind of reality that we've been talking about. They can't give you a sense of fearlessness. They can't give you a sense of light in the darkness. Only Jesus, the Good Shepherd, can give that to you. Only He can provide it for you. It's only found in Him. And as this good shepherd is going ahead of, of the sheep in this dark valley, as they're walking through that, not only can they resist fear, and not only can we, as we walk through the valley of life, can resist fear, not just because of our good shepherd going ahead of us, not just because he's walking with us, but because he also provides for us everything we need as a source of comfort and of rest. Look at what the end of verse 4 says. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Not only are, are you with me, but you come prepared, he's saying. You come armed with what you need to keep me safe. That's what David is saying about his personal shepherd, and we can say the same thing with absolute certainty about our good shepherd, our Savior, the Lord Jesus And the rod and the staff, they are two separate instruments. The rod was this, um, club-like thing. It was, it was heavy. It was short and it had a rounded piece on the end of it. And the staff was longer. Uh, with a, and it was thinner, and it had kind of a, a hook at the end. I mean, we've all seen shepherd staffs. We understand that. So they really were two separate instru- instruments. And here's uh, kind of a picture to help you understand what this was used for. Um, the rod, the shorter device there, that was used uh, in a big way for defense, It was protection for the sheep. If there was a wolf or a a bear or something that would come to try to get at the sheep, the shepherd would use his rod to fend it off. And, and actually the shepherds in the Middle East were so good at using this rod, they could, they could use it like a, like a spear or something. I mean, they, they practiced so much and had such precision accuracy, they could throw the thing from yards away and throw it with, with such uh, strength and velocity that it would hit the target of whatever the predator was and knock them out. I mean, it was it was like a boomerang. Think of a boomerang with you know Australia. I mean, it was this incredible device for them that they were just experts at. So, it was defense uh, for their flock, but and it's not pictured here. But it was also used for discipline, defense and discipline for the sheep. That's what the rod was used for. Um, if the sheep were to start to stray, they'd prod them, like think of a cattle prod. They'd prod their sheep to get them back in line, or maybe they'd give them kind of a little tap on the head to wake them up. Oh, oh yeah, okay, I need to go back with my flock. And so it was, it was also to discipline the sheep. And Proverbs thirteen twenty four tells us that whoever spares the rod hates his son, but he who loves him is diligent to discipline him. And then the writer of Hebrews says, hey, Christian, when you're going through suffering, don't despair. View it as discipline and view that as a good thing because God, our good Father, disciplines those He loves. And the whole point of His discipline is to make you more like Himself. It's to have you share in His holiness. So God will discipline us. Every good shepherd will discipline his sheep as needed, and God will do the same thing for us. The staff was a means of rescuing the sheep. As that really dumb sheep would wander off and find themselves in trouble, find themselves caught in thorns or over the edge of a cliff or maybe even in water, the the shepherd would take his staff, and with that open end, that hook, he'd lift them up out of whatever trouble they got themselves into. So the staff was a tool of guiding and, and directing distracted, wandering sheep, which we all are. Remember the Bible says, we all, Isaiah says, we all, like sheep, have gone astray. We've all turned aside to our own way. And we keep doing that even after being rescued by our good shepherd. We're still prone to get distracted and wander off. But our, faithful and and gracious shepherd, just like a good shepherd in David's time, like a good shepherd that he probably was, even though we are often in situations that we're in because of our own stupidity, he will faithfully, mercifully reach down and rescue us. Aren't you thankful you have a shepherd like that? That even though you, in your foolishness, wander off and get yourself in trouble that you can't get yourself out of day in, day out, he comes along and he doesn't chastise you. He doesn't start beating you over the head with his staff. Rather, he puts it around you and pulls you out for the millionth time in grace and in mercy. That's what, that's what David experienced. That's why he could have comfort no matter what he faced. That's why he could walk through the valley even of the shadow of death and say, I will not fear because you're with me. I know you've gone ahead of me. I know you're with me. You've conquered whatever is, is out there and you have everything you need to keep me right where I need to be which is next to your heart. And that's exactly what's true of our Good Shepherd. That can be and should be the confidence of every believer. I hope it's your confidence today. I hope that's what fuels your faith. It's not what's in yourself. It's not what's out there around you or outside of you. It's not circumstances that you're waiting to change because, hey, maybe the circumstances we're in won't ever change. What are we going to do then? What if this is our new normal? What are we going to do with that? Are we going to despair and just give up on living? Or are we going to, like David, say, no, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'm not going to fear because I know what You've done for me, Jesus. I know what You're doing for me now. You're with me. And I know in You, I have everything I need and You have everything that, that I need to keep me secure and comfort in comfort and in joy. And that's why I'm going to keep looking to You. I'm going to keep clinging to You. I'm going to keep coming back to You. May that mark all of our lives today and every day forward. Amen? Let me pray for you. Father, I pray for my brothers and sisters that are here. I pray for my brothers and sisters that are going to be viewing this service later on. Um, you know where everyone is. You know uh, what's on our minds, what's on our hearts. You know what's weighing us down. You know uh, what we're going through. And Father, I thank you that we can, as we, as we are reminded from this powerful psalm, as we've gone deeper below the surface and we've mined some riches today, I thank you that we can, like David, say, you don't just give me temporary satisfaction. It's not a case of of just giving me something temporary that I need. You come to us and you right our very souls. When our souls are cast down, you flip it back upside up on the right side from being upside down. You do truly restore our souls. You bring us back into right standing. I thank You that, that You are always with us. I thank You that even though we walk through very deep, dark valleys from time to time, valleys that, that really contain the the feel of something as, as permanent as death even, as menacing as death, we can see that even death itself is really just a shadow for, thus, for us who are in Your Son because he conquered it because his light the light of his life overpowers it and it's really because of the light of jesus that we can see death as just a shadow may that be something we believe may that be what we remember may we say with david your rod and your staff they provide comfort for me Help us to say with the writer of Hebrews, it's good that I am under the discipline of God because it shows I'm one of His children. It shows I'm loved. And it's working to make me more holy. May we find comfort in Your staff knowing that that's not an instrument of punishment or judgment. It's an instrument of rescue. It's an instrument of guidance. It's an instrument of grace. Thank You that we can know that and experience that because of Your Son. So fill us with encouragement today. Let it last and swell up within us, and may we draw comfort and encouragement out of, of this passage throughout the rest of the week. May we share the reminder of, of comfort that we've had uh, with others as we interact, even in limited fashion. Father, I thank you for the fact that you never change, and what we have from you will never fade away. And I pray all of this in Jesus' name, amen.